We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the True Faith Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Phoenix Taxis and Coaches. To book online, please visit www.phoenixtaxis.net. Hello, this is Alex Hurst here, the host of the True Faith Weekly Podcast. We've got a very special show tonight. Uh, we've done a pre-Derby podcast live from Northern Threads in South Shields. Just here to say a massive thank you to Northern uh, Northern Threads. Got the two shops in South Shields, uh, the town centre itself. If you're in a decent uh, branded clothing for men, then that is the place to go. We're really, really appreciative of, of the lads at Northern Threads who let me... Uh, Mick Martin, True Faith Editor, uh, Martin McFadden, uh, Editor of A Love Supreme, uh, Sobs, who is Deputy Editor, editor of A Love Supreme, and Chris War from the Evening Chronicle. Uh, we've done the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. I uh, really appreciate the lads from A Love Supreme coming across to do it and just wanted to say thanks to Northern Threads for hosting it. So hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to this week's uh, True Faith podcast. It's a special one, obviously. There's a, there's a little matter of a game this Sunday. A few people have been talking about it. Uh, yeah, it's the first We Are Tying Derby of the season. 153rd by my record. I heard 155th earlier, but I believe it's 153rd. And uh, we have a few special guests here for the programme. First of all, I'm Chris Woff. Uh, I'm Newcastle United writer for the Chronicle and Journal. And then just let the rest of the panel introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Sobs. I'm the assistant editor of the Love Supreme Sunderland fanzine. Hello, I'm Michael Martin, I'm the editor of True Faith, the Newcastle United fanzine. Uh, I'm Martin McFadden from Love Supreme, I'm the editor there. I'm Alex Hurst, I'm the host and producer of the True Faith Weekly Podcast. And yeah, as I said, there's obviously a very big game on uh, Sunday, made even bigger potentially by the situation both clubs find themselves in. But just let, let first of all, let's just talk about the size of this game to, to both clubs. Um, just starting with, with you, so in terms of... Your memories of of this game and, and what this game means to you, how important is it is it to you? It's nowhere near as important as it used to be because of, of the lack of quality 
particularly in the past six, seven years, and the lack of meaning for the matches. Uh, obviously, the, the matches have meant a lot more to Sunderland because they've been crucial to Sunderland's battle for survival in the Premier League. And at the time, Newcastle's as well. But obviously, Newcastle have lost the past five. They meant a lot more to me when both teams weren't relegation-threatened. They seemed like, you know, the prize at the end of the tunnel for Sunderland last season and Newcastle towards the well, especially Newcastle towards the end of last season, was stopping up. And the derby, I'm sure, for Sunderland fans was the icing on the cake. Whereas if I go back to even when Keegan Allardyce himself was in charge soon as before that, Newcastle were still shit, but... You know, we're safe, we're mid-table, we're nothing. So the Derby games took on like an extra relevance because winning those defined your season was because Nick. Well, I only speak as Newcastle fan because Newcastle fans have been so poor in recent seasons. Just say Newcastle won the game one 0 or whatever the score at uh, the Stadium of Lights last April. It still would have been a horror season. <laughs> nothing could take away from the car crash that was John Carver in charge. So historically, there were massive games. There still are massive games. Obviously, um, myself, the first fixture you look for. In June, when the fixtures are released, or the derby. Anyone who says anything else, as any Castle or Summon fan, is lying. So they're still massive games, but with so clubs being so poor, even today, unfortunately, they don't take on the significance that they once did. For me personally, I know some people look at it differently. It's interesting that, because obviously, with both clubs being in the position they are of, of struggling, it's interesting that potentially that means that obviously they're close from the table, in which case you could even argue that the rivalry, therefore, should be bigger. But I can see exactly what you mean in terms of. Both clubs are so poor, and you watch them, and have been sorry for the last year so poor, and you watch them. And the footballs often being turgid. I suppose in that sense, that regardless of the fact that they are closer, and the game doesn't just take on geographical rivalry, it's got a rivalry in the table. I can see exactly what, what you are saying, but from a Sunderland perspective, is 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 that the, is that the case? Would you say? I mean, I think because we've been so desperate for points, and we've managed to to get them. You know, obviously both clubs have gone through a period where <clears throat> they they would. Under Keegan, Newcastle were generally beating us all the time, and we've been lucky enough to win, you know, the last five. Um, and but we've always needed the points desperately, so I think the, the players have turned up. So to beat Newcastle and get the three points in a way, um, like made it like made it more important, you know. So I, I kind of like see the other flip, like the flip side of it, to be honest with you. And they always seemed. To, I mean, like one one of one of my mates who's who's a mag. I have got some who lives in who lives in Prague, like. Sent me a, a message on Facebook at the start of the season saying, "By the time we play you, um, we'll both be in relegation trouble. Um, Advocate would have been sacked. Allardyce will be the, your new manager, and you'll win your first game of the season against us." So he's like, "Right, so far, um, I'm just hoping you can get the last bit." But it, it 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 also seems that the only positive things that have really happened, apart from us getting to the Carlin Cup final, have, have been beating Newcastle, and then. Ultimately, like staying up and just staying up, you know. So, um, but we also need to get over that and actually kind of like try and have a decent team at some point and have some investment and and look at the bigger picture. But they've been the only sort of shining light in in a load of shite, really, you know. So, in terms of that compared to what it was in the past, then what are your memories from when you were younger? Yeah, I mean. There were all obviously there were always massive games. I, I don't like the way that they're kind of quite clinical now. You know, I, I seem to remember going to games and and not having and not having tickets when when my dad was taking us along when I was a kid. And just like now, it's like a military exercise. You know, yeah. you know, we like people from our fanzine and the, and the other Newcastle supporters groups have got to have meetings with the police and 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 we've got a battle to like not make it a bubble game like we we all got together a few years ago. Whereas. 
when I was a kid, it was just like, oh, we'll go on the match and like leave the house and <clears throat> and walk up to the ground and pay and get in. Whereas now everything's just the, the way things are, you know. I mean, obviously, it kind of has to be like that post Hillsborough. Um, but every everything's kind of everything's kind of changed, and I don't think the atmosphere is obviously like what it was because if you've got an end full of people who are like stood and singing and you can stand with everyone you want to or you can move around if someone's getting on your nerves just the, the way the, the way football's changed I think obviously a lot of younger people have got nothing to compare it to you know but um, I was at St James's Park when we've, when we've had like the full end behind the goal and I'm sure some of these lads have been at Roker Park when, when yous have had it and there's, there's nothing to, to compare it to still a massive match but um, you always look back through rose tinted spectacles but it's just it's just the fact that the atmosphere isn't isn't what it was just because it's all seated Michael do you agree with that is it, is it changed? I agree a, a, a lot about that um, I went to me because I'm an old fart I went to my first derby game in 1976 um, two's each um, Tommy Craig scored I think the equaliser at the Roker end which was fantastic but um, uh, and I don't remember having a ticket for that um, I just remember getting on the bus and telling my mum I'm going to the shops and seeing her about seven hours later um, and um, yeah, I think there is a tendency to be rose-tinted glasses etc um, the game was uh, the atmosphere was dangerous um, there was hell on um, so and nowadays um, barring one or two um, isolated incidents um, the games are safe for everybody to go to but I get what Martin's saying about uh, the the stadiums, etc. Um, uh, I think it's disgraceful that we're up in the um, in the upper tier of of the stadium, related to North Stand ground was designed for the opposite of that. Um, but likewise, um, I also think it's terrible that Sunderland fans are in the top deck at the in the Leasers end when they come and they should be lower down and closer to the action, etc., uh, etc. Et in terms of what the <coughs> what um, what I think the game means, it means a hell of a lot in the northeast. It's this terrible expression, bragging rights, isn't it? But it's got out of all proportion in the last few years. At one time, it was part of the season. Now it is the season, and that's because of the way football's gone, and the way Newcastle have kind of went gone into decline over the last 10, 15 years um, because of one bad decision after another. Um, so it's not just a game to be enjoyed as part of the season it's become a season defining kind of thing because um, Newcastle have a, have had a recently a stated policy of not going to, not taking the cup seriously um, and uh, as one who was at the Sheffield Wednesday League Cup game at, at Newcastle that seemed to have been continued no no evidence to say that that's, that's any different and we don't, you know, we don't seriously try and get into Europe. We don't seriously try and have a pop at getting back into the Champions League. So it's become the be all and end all, which and I've become to resent that, um, because both clubs um, are very well followed. You know, got good support, and uh, and we should be having our aspirations a little bit higher than than a kind of a relegation decider. It's it's a desperate situation for 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 both clubs and. I've spent a large part of my time supporting Newcastle, laughing at Sunderland, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, and, uh, and and that's been. We've had I've had great fun, great enjoyment at Sunderland's expense. I'm sure Martin and Sobs will say the same thing in in return. But I'm like, but I'm bored with that now. You know, I want I, I I don't want that to be that to define 
the time that I've spent supporting the club and, and many, many others, where the biggest thing is we point at each other and laugh at each other's misfortunes. I'd like, I'd like to be in the situation where Martin's thinking, shit, have they won the double again? Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to win something next year. You know, if we, we need two more players, and we, I sound like my old man now, like if 30 years ago wanting uh, Newcastle and Sunderland to be at the top of at the top of the division. Obviously, I want Newcastle to be at the top top of the division. Um, but I don't even want Sunderland to get relegated anymore. I think that would be a negative thing for the region. I think there's so many things running against the North East at the minute. I've kind of changed my mind. So that may be maturity or becoming really, really boring. Well, it's interesting, yeah. I mean, obviously, both clubs, unfortunately, in the last few years have been going through some difficult times. They may have been in the Premier League for the majority of the last 10 to 15 years, both of them, but there's been little more than that for both teams to show about. And I think, in that sense, the game probably has taken on extra important importance there. Do you, do you agree with that? It probably sort of has, and I think the way the Premier League's developed as a, as a, like a customer based product. They say the derby is something. Oh, look, there's the two great opponents from the northeast. They're going to have this thing twice a year that we and they pick up on it and they, you know, they they blow it up out of all proportion. Even though we do still see it a massive game, and I agree, it's the first two fixes you look for and you make sure that right that weekend, nothing's going to get nothing does anyway. Not going to stop us getting to the match, but you want to. You want it to be, as has been said, a little bit more than just right. We need the three points to stop up. They probably need the three points just as much. We wanted to. It would be really good if it was vying for something at the top, you know. And I'm lucky. I actually saw my team win something, a major trophy, because I'm even older than him. <laughs> there is one. You know, there is one. <laughs> in terms of the impact the two clubs have had, the Premier League, Newcastle, had that that time where they were so close. You think that's 19 years, you know, years ago now, and we had the two seventh seasons where we were playing, you know, great football that we carried on from the the championships over four years. We were playing, arguably, as entertaining football as anybody in the country, but we haven't won anything, you know. And that just, the FA Cup finals 40 odd years ago, and now here we are. We, we, I'm sure Martin thinks somewhat similar. Now we got Allardyce in. We think, oh, for God's sake, just give us two years where nothing happens. We just. Yeah, I've along in the middle. to be a boring mid-table yeah, team. Yeah, just do that for a couple of years and then think, you know, with a run in the cup perhaps chucked in and then try and build it rather than these short, sharp shocks that, that go they go very quickly upwards and then drop off even further and then you get a new guy in who ends up six months later and as baffled as the last bloke was before he took over, you know, and it, it's, it's a, a cycle that we need to break somehow, get some stability into our club and then make the... Make the North East a place where people, you know, they say it's a hotbed of football. Is it bollocks anymore? Wouldn't it? You know, the passion's there from the fans. That the following has been said from both clubs is great, and away from home, there's nobody else takes more fans than some of Newcastle do to away games. You know, so but they get nothing back for it. So we we do need to, to step it up and become a mid-table team as far as Sunderland's concerned, and then move on from a couple of years of that. The yeah, thing well, is, looking at looking ahead. Sorry, to, I'm sorry. It is. You know, if you look back, there'd be, there'd be quite often teams that were capable of like finishing in like the top three, or even I think Norwich in the seventies or eighties were like second top. You know, like QPR mm-hmm. and, uh, were top for like nearly the whole season, and then mm-hmm. Liverpool win the league. But now, like looking at it, to kind of you know, without wishing to sound negative and do the whole modern football is rubbish, which it is. But like you think, well, even if you, even if we kind of stop being both relegation fodder and just staying up and then become mid-table and then how hard is it is it to actually break into a, a situation the more you're given the more greedy you're going to be you know 
I, I, I remember you taking the mickey out of me many years ago and saying Which like, you'll, have to, you'll have to be more specific than that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but you said like I see Man United as our rivals now, not not not, not Sunderland. Yeah. I think you were just trying to wind us up, but successfully as <laughs> <laughs> But but this is like you know, so if we were mid table then you'd want Europe and then if Europe you'd want the Champions League. But but looking at it, it's all just down to money now. You can't just have like you know what Brian Clough did at Forest for instance. I think that would be impossible to do. Blackburn kind of did it, did it, but they just like bought the league, you know. Um, and I think, I think from my point of view, that kind of takes away the whole excitement and passion of football. And the only chance you've got is to win a cup. But then people say no one's taking the cup seriously, so then that devalues getting to the you know the yeah, finals of, of, yeah, other, of other competitions. But it didn't devalue it for you lot when you went there. And it didn't stop me shitting myself on the day of the League Cup final when you went 1-0 up. And I was in town and my wife said, you've gone white. And I said, that must never, ever happen again. Uh, but, you know what I mean? Um, Newcastle fans, for some reason, get it in the neck for being deluded um, in wanting to aspire to, to more than what we've got. Um, I, I just need to deal with that, like, but, um, because you know modern football has gone a really bad way. It's become a cartel at the top. Um, because of outside money coming in, but let's not forget Newcastle's the uh, got the eighth highest payroll in the Premier League. Yeah, it is, yeah. You know, yeah. it's uh, it's it's one of the um, uh, top twenty richest clubs in Europe, top ten wealth best supported people through the through the through the uh, door. And you know, Sunderland's not that far behind in, in those terms. So I'm not even going to make that as a as a point that we've got more money than Sunderland, but we have got more money than Sunderland. Uh, and less debt, etc., um, etc. Et but Newcastle United isn't a basket case. It isn't a silly little club like Redden or somewhere somebody like that who need to know that place. Um, Newcastle United does not need to know its place. It needs to aspire and be ambitious for more all of the time. And I would say the same is true of Sunderland. Um, we should never ever get used to being where we are. No. We should always aspire to better, and and we should always know that our place in football is much higher up the table. Than, than what it is and we need to remind the people that are running our clubs of their responsibility to achieve that but for me whenever Newcastle don't finish in the top 10 of the Premier League that's failure that, that really is failure and if we're going out the Cups in the early round and finishing outside the top 10 that's failure and I would say the same is true for Sunderland as well yeah, I think a lot of people say oh, I'm, I'm a realist I'm a Sunderland supporter you have to be but Where's realism coming to football? You've always got to do like you said. You've got to mm. think, right. I want to be. I want to be better than I was last year. If your team, Man City, could well win the title for the next four years, but in four years' time, your Man City fans are going to say, "I want to buy, win it by another ten points next yeah. year." You want, you know, realism's all right to a certain extent. You've got to dream, otherwise, it's an entertainment. You know, what's the point of being a fan if you don't want better than you've got? Well, I hear that thing, or uh, you know, the, um, the the Newcastle United dreamers, and of which I am a fully paid-up member. And uh, in the Sunderland realists, um, there is there is something I, th- I think that's a like a grotesque kind of caricature of the situation. Um, I'm a realist. I think Newcastle United realistically should be in the top eight clubs in the in the in the country. So it was good to hear that being a target at the start of the season. But I also think Sunderland should be in the top ten, twelve as well. You know, obviously, I think Newcastle United is a bigger club than Sunderland, but not by not by much. Not not worth falling out about. Um, but um, so that that's kind of that's that's where I am with it in terms of the game itself. Then I suppose that's moved on from your question, Chris. But um, where where we are is in a bad place to be playing this game. Where 
it's 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 not reflective of the stature of that where the clubs could be. We will come back to obviously where the clubs are in a bit, but just after thoroughly depressing ourselves at the current state of, uh, of football in the northeast, let's just think back to happier times, and we'll go to the red and white side of the divide first for this, and just think what well, if there's one derby moment that you remember that most uh, positively, what would it be? Personally, the one more was the th- well, it was the third of three moments in 1979 up at St James's Park, and Gary Rowell got his third goal, and that you know that was was a long time ago, and you know you went four one on your neighbour's patch, and local lad gets a hat trick. That's I mean that's what should be happening now, you know, the team that's half, yeah. at least a third, two thirds local lads, one of them gets a hat trick. You win four one at Newcastle. It doesn't get much better than that. You're lucky to get one player from uh, from the northeast and either team, aren't you, at the minute? Yeah. Michael, yourself? It's a hard one, that one. I mentioned um, uh, the first first game I went to, uh, 1976, um, and we were in the Roca end. There's a famous photograph of it, isn't there? The two fans, sets of fans next to each other. I think that was the game. Um, I'll never forget Tommy Craig scoring, brilliant goal. I think we were 2-0 down with 10 minutes to go, and we came back and, and drew twos each. And, uh, and I've still got that in me in my head as a 12 year old Craig running to the the rocker end wagging his fingers if they said don't lose faith in us that was great and the other one was a hat trick at St James's and that was uh, Peter Beardsley's on New Year's Day I loved that game that was just fantastic two players sent off two Sunderland players sent off you're only allowed one though and you've had two and <laughs> <laughs> he had two as well. uh, and the whole of St James's Club Park on two uh, the, the whole of St James's Park chanting Happy New Year <laughs> Yeah, I remember the the racism that day when Bennett got sent off, which was unfortunate. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd say generally because we've tended to have won at St James's and had a terrible record at Sunderland until recently. Probably the one for me would be the the Margot game where we kind of beat Newcastle in the playoffs because we've been like <clears throat> both vying for promotion all season. There was only two teams went up automatically, um, and we kind of like snuck into. Sixth in Newcastle, had Newcastle probably should have gone up automatically, but shot themselves in the foot, um, and, and ended up in the playoffs. And like often happens, we had the momentum in there, you know, and um, just probably because it was probably the last game where we were all stood, you know, behind the behind the goal in the Leeds end, and we had like a decent following. Um, I think it was about five thousand, and they marched us all back to the to the station sort of like en masse and by winning that game we, we got to a Wembley final as well you know which we managed to lose and then still go <laughs> so it was, it was it was just kind of typical well not typical but it was <clears throat> there was lots of positive things it's always great to win a derby but to kind of like get Wembley on the back of it and then hopefully get promoted on, on, on the back of that you know um, and take so many and, and like be swaying behind the goal and then obviously Newcastle fans Try to get there. It was it was kind of said before the game that if they were losing, then they were going on the pitch, um, and then we, there was a bit more drama because of that. Because then you thought, well, actually, could it get cancelled or postponed, or what 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 are they going to do? You know, if if the game doesn't um, doesn't finish off, and uh, it's it's obviously it did. So that was I think that's that's my favourite one um, for all those reasons. And it was I think it was the last time we stood in Newcastle as well before the. Redeveloped it. I think, funnily enough, that's the one that hurt the most. It, you know, that's the one that cut the deepest. I remember being absolutely traumatised by that game because it was a, a whole season. It wasn't just one result; it was the whole season that went. And then 
it got worse when they went to Wembley and Swindon absolutely murdered them in the final 1-0 we were terrible uh, <laughs> murdered them in the final so that was happy all is, all is well sort of and then I remember driving along Scotswood Road and they came on the radio <laughs> that they'd been promoting I pulled it into a lay-by and stopped my head off the steering wheel <laughs> uh, so it, that, that, hurt the, that hurt the most physically and mentally Back to the black and white divide again. Don't have the wealth of experience that you lads have. So <laughs> a much uh, smaller cross section to choose from. I suppose uh, an odd one for me would be the one 0 win at the stadium right in two thousand and eleven. Uh, Ryan Taylor scored for a couple of reasons. Um, ever since we beat Sunderland five one, I think Newcastle finished thirteenth and Apollo and Sunderland scraped tenth despite a shocking run under Steve Bruce and pre-season uh, and the Andy Carroll money went missing allegedly. And everyone was very, very down. I mean, I, if you look at the game before that, I think, or after, I think it was only 42,000 there against Fulham in Newcastle, which is a very low crowd. I think yeah, it's the lowest really crowd in the modern era. And that was reflective of the anger at the Carroll sale. And obviously the players brought in Denver Barna Frey, what he'd done away at West Ham, but free transfer replaced England's supposedly future striker with a freebie from West Ham. We bought Johan Kabai, who was Johan Kabai, I'd never heard of him. <laughs> and we still didn't have a left back we had Ryan Taylor that season started a left back so we went in that game and all Steve Bruce and all Sun fans were talking about revenge revenge, revenge, revenge we're going to absolutely smash them I remember a national football journalist uh, Barry Glendinnan on a football podcast for The Guardian said before that game Sunderland will beat Newcastle yeah, I remember that, Sunderland will beat Newcastle that was the, the crack we played Arsenal the week before were terrible Joey Barton had managed to con the referee into getting an Arsenal Jaminho I think player sent off and we held on for a nil-nil and there was just we had Schuller and Demerbach front, and that was the strike force Leon Best as well that was it for the season and a lot of people were tipping up with relegation and we went and we won that match very comfortably um, and with Phil Bardsley committed an absolutely disgraceful challenge at the end yeah he got a second yellow but he, could, he should have been banned for 10 games really for what he did and that, that game I'm sure many Newcastle fans will say kicked off that season and that season's been a shining light I think if Mike Ashley didn't have that season under his belt he'd be under far greater pressure than he has been and he's faced, faced some pretty intense pressure last season so I think to win that game and that's, that was the end of Steve Bruce I think it's something I think he put out, he put everything into that game Bruce, that, Bruce that made too game. big a thing of it you yeah. know? <clears throat> and I think it was only really him that was that was kind of he, he'd, he'd chosen like the music that we were going to play like yeah. if we, you know in the whole thing I'm quite strange for somebody who's a massive Newcastle fan anyway <laughs> um, and he could never get the players up up for it you know um, when we played Newcastle under his under his leadership, but it was um, you know, but he's a very deluded character. The question is, did Ryan Taylor mean it? Did he mean the goal? Do you really I don't care. <laughs> Do not care. Way I caught him. Just from that point of view, you're saying about Bruce made too big a deal of it. For me, being being in the media myself, do you, what's the general view? Did, did the media make too much of it now? Do you believe? Well, I think I think that much? well, there was a period where which kind of like came around with the whole bubble trip being um, mooted a, f- a few years ago. They managed to, like I say, get together and, and collectively between the Newcastle and Sunderland fans and convince the clubs it shouldn't happen and convince the police to cancel it. Um, I think before that, you know, the, I was getting contacted two weeks before the game. There was, it was being built up almost into like a, a frenzy. And then the whole... Um, like the interview that they did with Stephen Taylor when he said that no Sunderland players could get in the team and there was almost like hatred <clears throat> I mean it doesn't take much to get the fans going for this for this game but I think certain journalists um, were being a bit irresponsible 
and that was actually reflected in the amount of the amount of arrests that was happening in the game. And I'm not blaming them as individuals, but I think if someone, you know how it is in in, in the industry, if someone does an interview that's a bit risky, then someone will be like, well, actually, that's that's now accepted. So I'm going to then ring up, you know, Gary Rowell, who's going to tell you about when he went as a fan and fought against Newcastle fans, you know, when he was like on Sunderland's books, and then and then he's just like one upmanship, one upmanship, and I, and I think I think in the end the the press. Pe- the press people at Sunderland, I know, had like a, had a word with with the sort of lads who were in on a daily basis and say like, you know, this time it's getting worse and worse every year. The hatred's getting more ridiculous. People, the songs that people are singing are really becoming inappropriate. Um, we need to kind of like wind wind the whole thing down. And there wasn't as many interviews done, and I think that's been even projected in arrests. You know, because. Because it's like I say, it doesn't take much to get the fans going. But if but if it's been drummed down you the whole the whole time, um, so I think a few years ago there was I used to think somebody could get killed in one of mm. these games. Um, you know, somebody takes a wrong turn, has the you know pronounces certain words the, the right or the wrong way, depending on your perspective, and um, and then all of a sudden there's there's you know we're talking about a fatality. And then you've got the horrendous scene of an absolute nugget punching a horse outside of St James's Park. <laughs> to be honest, I think that's probably brought things to a head. I think yeah, people, have, right. people have thought, is that what we look like? You know, exactly. uh, I mean, there are a certain amount of the the, 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 the game when Yamadus and Bramble got sent off. Yeah. I left like after that because I just thought, obviously, the game's gone. Mm. I was in a massive huff. And I knew we were getting kept in, so I just I got out of the ground. But there was over a thousand Newcastle fans waiting outside the ground who obviously weren't at the game. I, you know, I guess they still call themselves fans, but they were just there as the spectacle, the Gold Sunderland fans who were leaving, and they were there before the game, but they weren't even going to the match or even interested enough to watch it in the house or the, or the pub. They just wanted to be outside the ground to try and like cause trouble, you know. And they, I'm sure, they were the ones at the bottom of Westgate Road that were like setting bins alight and causing general disorder. And it, it obviously, if they know there's going to be some action, there's certain people who are going to get, who are going to get drawn to it, you know. Yeah. So as much as we've tried to avoid it, we're going to have to fast forward to the reality of the situation. The minute where two, the both clubs <coughs> sit in the, the bottom three of the Premier League. Yeah, obviously Newcastle did win on Sunday, so their situation doesn't look as bad as it did before, but still, still in the relegation zone. So in terms of the game itself, from a Sunderland perspective, you go into it, what's, what's, what's the feeling on we side heading into it? Personally, the situation we're in, our last things, I should be a lot more depressed than I am. But probably, <laughs> probably because I've seen it all before. It doesn't, she doesn't have to say, hey, it's only a game. And quite so often there was these days. This, this particular one, I'm surprised how relatively upbeat the mood is at Sunderland, considering the amount of crap we're in. You know, people seem to have either got used to being rubbish and think right you know it can only get better because it can't <laughs> it can't get any worse and, and, and take the positive which is a better way to be and, and looking at this game in particular I mean I watched on, on Sunday afternoon you know as a, as a Newcastle fan you think it's a brilliant 6-2 win as a neutral you would think that could have been 6 apiece 4 apiece and as a as a Norwich fan or a Sunderland fan you could have said at one stage it could have been 4-2 to Norwich because it just seemed that they hit the woodwork. Newcastle put away everything that came their way, but the there were things about the Newcastle team that you you look at and think, oh, we could have a go at that, and you know keep it. It will it will be an exciting game. The crowd's going to be up for it. The teams, both of them, hopefully, will be up for it. And like I said, there's, there's things 
we've got players in our side who've done some pretty good things this season without them quite clicking. So you never know. We've, if we play as well as we did in the first half against West Ham, there'll be no question who'll win. It'll be us. But we've got we've got to learn to do that for more than forty four minutes. And what's the uh, what's the reception of Big Sam being Big Sam coming in? It's been relatively good. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. accepted he's probably the only person who was going to get the job now because the rest of them either they've either priced themselves out of the market, you know, like people like um, Brendan Rodgers. You would have thought about him leaving Swansea and coming to us, but now he's had an unlimited checkbook for so many years at, at uh, Liverpool. I doubt if he can work any other way now, you know, and taking a young manager who's not experienced in the Premier League would have been too much of a gamble again and we can't afford to take a gamble again with, with Allardyce people have basically realised if you believe what the press say in some you know it's not gonna be it's not gonna be very pretty, but it's actually gonna be prettier than they, they paint the picture. And if he if he does what I've said I hope he does and just makes us ordinary for two years with a bit of cup run thrown in then I think people will generally accept that. Oh no, I know I've heard from a lot of Sunderland fans who've said that can the football have got much worse than has all the last well, couple of years? <laughs> so going to the, the black and white side again, the feeling on uh, Tyneside going in this, is it euphoric now after Saturday or is, is there a bit of realism still? That, that it's definitely not there? euphoric, but the, the Norwich game was absolutely massive. If we'd have got beat by Norwich and beat Sunderland, I'd, I'd be far more pessimistic about the season ahead because the derby's almost like an isolated incident. If, if you can't beat Norwich at home, no disrespect to them, they've had a reasonable start of the season, they've tossed them under part at their place but if we hadn't beat Norwich at home McLaren would have had very little credibility and to a lot of any Castle fans the derby means a lot but to the rest of us if you can't beat Norwich at home when you haven't won in eight games you've got serious problems so not euphoric but I'm certainly a lot happier having the win and I think I think a bit much is being made of, of how good Norwich were the weekend I thought Newcastle was a superior team I thought Norwich hit the post twice but they were behind on both occasions they were 5-2 down at one point when they hit the post so it's kind of referenced a lot so I'm not that fussed about that. And the good thing was that whenever Mitrovic had played for Newcastle, Newcastle played well, apart from 45 minutes of Man City. So while well, I think well played Manchester United, Manchester United fans would disagree with Mitrovic up front. We should have won, we could have won at Old Trafford. We bossed Man City for 45 minutes, we had an absolutely scandalous goal disallowed at 1-0. Absolute scandal, made very little of by the media. Um, and obviously we were bad at Chelsea and should have won. Uh, and then we beat Norwich. So with Mitrovic at the front, I'm, I'm very confident for Sunday, but it's a very fine line with Newcastle where always one or two injuries from like going 10 games without a win or getting beat. It's that bad. We'll lose a, a centre-back, I think, if we lose Mbemba. If we lose, we've already lost Krull. <laughs> we'll lose Mitrovic. That's it's relegation at the moment. That's how thin Newcastle squad is. But I'm fairly confident for Sunday. I think Allardyce is... I'm not a big Allardyce fan, I'm not lying. These lads know a lot more about Sunderland than me. Um, people keep saying it's a great fit. Uh, and obviously the lack of expectancy or, uh, or expectation for Allardyce this season, which is simply just keep the club up, will help him. I don't see him, however, looking at what he did in the last six to 12 months at West Ham, well, that's a bit harsh, last six months at West Ham, he's lost a hell of a lot of football matches in the past six months, and he's picked up very few points, and for me, it'll just flick a switch with a, a very poor Sunderland side who are desperately short of confidence and goals, most importantly. I think you'll sort out from his defence, but Sunderland was just short of goals and hadn't worked for the whole of last season as well. I think Newcastle could nick this, but I would take a draw now and just get on with it for the rest of the season, really. So do you think that psychologically, the Newcastle players, obviously there's new players there from the summer, do you think psychologically the, the five-game losing run, seven, uh, last seven without a win, do you, think, do you think that will affect them going into this game? I doubt it, because it, uh, what everyone said about the Newcastle players during that five-goal, five-game losing streak is that they just don't care. 
So, and if that's true, I'd imagine them not to care about <laughs> anything really. And if, if you look at Musa Sissoka, who was absolutely sensational, I mean, fair enough to Norwich, give them the freedom of St James's Park. Thanks, lads. But I doubt you'll get that against Sunderland. Well, I know you'll not get that against Sunderland. I don't think Musa Sissoka cares that we've lost five games. And I don't think the likes of Mitrovic, Wijnaldum and Bemba, the new lads, are they going to care? Is, is Florian Turban on the bench going to care? Not that he's any good, but I, can't, I don't see it. I didn't see it going into the game last time. I didn't see losing four in a row before that being... Uh, indicative of the way the game went, I think playing Johan Kufran and Vernon Anita, sorry, Johan Kufran and Jonas Gutierrez as a midfield two had more to do with the defeat and Newcastle being generally awful than, than the previous four, so I don't see it being too much of a factor. I think it's more of a factor for Sunderland than it is for Newcastle because obviously those Sunderland players have experience of winning derby games. You look at some, in my opinion, very, very average players like Seb Lawson and Lee Catamore know how to win derby games, whereas maybe Newcastle players don't. But I think Newcastle have got a, enough overall quality in the team. That's vastly superior to some, and especially in attack, that it's not too much of a, an indication. Well, is there is there that positivity in Sunderland then, in that sense that the players have, have been there, they've done it, they've won these derbies the last five times? It's going to be the same again this weekend. <sighs> I mean, when when are we, I don't think we've won a league game since April, have we? Um, so I think we've had such a bad start of the season, and Newcastle beating Norwich is like a big factor. But then at the same time, I kind of feel as if. McLaren will think if I can get a draw out of this I think they'll go for the draw and I think if you go for the draw you're going to end up losing um, I think the problem for Sunderland is like having not won a game the pressure's on for them to really turn it on and, and, and try and attack and as we've shown this season we have actually been scoring goals and attacking but it's the defence that have been let down with the way we played under Advocate the, the full backs were wide open with that system and that meant that they were exposed. The centre-halves went in that position and left room in the middle. Pretty much every goal we've con- we conceded is like come down the channel and so- at some point with Van Aanholt being like massively out of position and then one of the centre-halves having to come over. But obviously that won't happen under Allardyce. So I think it's just getting a, a balance. But what has been proven from the last... so you know, Statistically, the chances of us winning six in a row seem pretty minute, although it would be fantastic, obviously... We need a win against somebody, whoever it's, whoever it's going to be. Um, but I think we have proved that we're up for the battle against against Newcastle. And, and the longer it goes on, the more that I think Newcastle would be happy to get a draw. And if they kind of if they're too negative, then with it, then we might just nick it. But I've got very little confidence in in the club at the minute because it's just so long since we've won a game. And obviously, if Newcastle were to win this, then we would really be stuck at the bottom of the league so this it's they're always massive games but it's a bit like Poyet's first game you know um, against Newcastle where, we, where we, we just needed the win so desperately but it also happened to be against Newcastle so if you win it's like a double bonus and you're, and you're off and running just through one game if you lose like the the sort of the sort of roll on factor of that the, the sort of depression in my house at least is is not worth is not worth considering, you well, know. It's the Canyon, though, wasn't it? I know it was. I know it was the towards the end of the season, but the same sort of thing. Yeah, it? kind of. It kept us up that that game, you know. Me and my sister texted before and said, "What's the plan on Sunday?" I was like, "Go mental if we win, suicide if we lose." <laughs> so, in terms of, you've said that the defensively, you think it'll be different on Aldeis. Do you think it'll be defense first on on Sunday? Make sure I don't concede here, and then it's well, it's, it's, it's more about the midfield kind of like not being too attacking. Like it was in the advocate, you know, it was like last season. Every every game was like a cup final, and they had to create a chance, which they hadn't been previously under Poyet because of the way they were just like passing the ball around forever. And by the time they got 
in the opposition's box. They had like all the players behind the ball. Um, but I think you know, I think I think the way he set the team out <clears throat> at West Brom, like you know, the midfield will will, will protect the defence more than it will create opportunities. But I still think we've still got enough creative players to hurt Newcastle. You know, I, th- I thought that the, the one positive in, in watching them win on Sunday was like how how weak the defence was, or how open it was, and how many opportunities a team like Norwich could could create. And we've got, you know, we haven't got the greatest team in the world. Obviously, otherwise, it wouldn't be bottom of the league. But I, I think, in a way, I don't. I, I actually don't think if 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 both teams actually get it together over the next month. I don't think either of them will go down because I think the you know the likes of Norwich and Bournemouth and st- things are starting to catch up with a lot of other teams, and I think we've got some, we've both got some decent players and we've we have got like decent creative players who can all we've actually got quite a lot of players who can who have got a goal in them, um, so fingers crossed everything crossed really but I'm shitting myself. I don't think McLaren's never lost to someone has he? Has he not? I think he's played seven games as middle manager. I've got told that I've not actually checked it out myself. Yeah. But I think I'm pretty sure that is true. Yeah, seven games, five wins, two draws. Mm. Yeah. So, Michael, positive, positive point. Um, I think Martin's probably called it right about tactics, etc. But um, Sunderland have to attack Newcastle. They are at home, um, so um, we can't really defend that very that well. Allardyce will be looking for set pieces and pumping the ball into the box. Where he knows we can't defend very well aerially, um, in you know corners and that kind of thing, which has been go- ongoing for years. Colicini's poor in the air, really. Uh, Mbemba's not great either. Um, so I think that'll be the tactic. It'll be to play for. It'll be holidays, won't he? He'll do. He is the antichrist of football. So um, <laughs> he will be. He will be playing for free kicks, corners. <coughs> there will be cynicism. There will be diving, and it'll all be Sunderland doing that because not because it's Sunderland, because it's Allardyce. Um That's what he does, and they'll be trying to ping balls into hit us on our vulnerable point on our vulnerable points. What I hope McLaren has done is made the blunders that he's going to make recently, um, because on Sunday we were very um, open down the flanks. Sissoko wasn't doing his tracking back uh, for the for the goal. We weren't, you know, so. And at Man City, obviously, you know, Anita and Gufran in the, is the middle two. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I thought that they were, even when we were winning, I thought they were walking through the midfield. So, in my opinion, we've got um, our match winners are Mitrovic, Perez, uh, Williandum, Sissoko, and Jan Matt. So we've got we've got good players, good players there. They need to demonstrate that they can work as a unit. Um, but if we think that um, we can let Sunderland come onto us for the game and try and hit them on the break, then um, then, then we'll lose the match. But I think what we need to do is, is keep possession and we need to soak Sunderland up. Um, we don't need to do what we've done previously and what Steve Bruce used to do as a Sunderland manager, which is first 10 minutes, rah, 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 mm. get into them, doesn't work, and then look at each other and think, what are we going to do now? And then lose the game. Um, uh, what we have to do is just to try and keep a hold of the game, win the little battles around the pitch in the first 15-20 minutes and then show that we've got superior players to Sunderland um, and I think I think we have I, I, I think Sunderland, um, Newcastle have got uh, technically and potentially better players but whether or not they're a team or not I don't know um, it does worry me that Sunderland have got 
players now who have lost a big derby when we pasted them five on. They're still there, and they've known how they know how to win them. And we, you know, Newcastle for years couldn't lose a derby if we tried. And you know, would be terrible the game that Allardyce was the manager. Sunderland murdered us that game, and how we were still in the game, I don't know. We got a one-one draw. You know, we should have been absolutely murdered, but we didn't because we just knew how to play the game. Steve Bruce didn't. He could still be playing derby matches now, and he wouldn't have won one <laughs> um, because he had the wrong mentality. And um, Newcastle have got to get the mentality right on on Sunday, and we we haven't got a. We haven't got to go full pelt at them, we've got to be tight and we've got to be players a unit, we've got to stop the crosses coming in and we've got to win the ball in the centre of the park and get the ball forward to um, Mitrovic and, and Perez because I think they could win the game for Newcastle. So unchanged 11 or would you, would you tighten it up a bit? Um, I think the team picks itself. Would you risk Tihoti? I wouldn't start I was going to say on Sunday, like he'd lost it a little bit again. Um, well, we don't know what's going on with him, but I wouldn't start him. He, he looks a liability at the minute. Sunderland point of view, changes from the weekend? Because um, Defoe didn't start. Yeah, well, this is it. But I mean, I, I think I think sort of in the modern game, as people say, having strikers coming off the bench is, is, is sometimes more beneficial. You know, I think I think the way I think he chose Fletcher. Because he'd done, because he'd scored a load of goals for Scotland, you know, and and he can also, I wouldn't say he can he can lead the line, but he's obviously not like tiny, <laughs> like, like, like like Defoe is in a, in a Sam Allardyce system. I think Allardyce is trying to work out how how the hell to fit him into that system because you've got other players like Barini who can create and score and like work really really hard. Um, That's often the criticism of Defoe, isn't it? If he doesn't score, then what um, else does he do? Yeah, exactly. And he's kind of like an old-fashioned striker where you've got to kind of give him the opportunity later on a plate. You know, it was similar with Bent, where he was kind of like used to playing on sort of the shoulder of the last player and ha- having balls played through to him, and then you know, like like finish. And then the way it is now, where pretty much everyone plays like one up front, and the and the, the sort of two the two behind have to graft. Um, I don't think. I, d- I don't know where Defoe fits like fits into that, you know. But I think if you if you've seen a lot of possession um, and you're chasing the game, then he'd be a good player to bring off to bring off the bench. But it's it's obviously Sam Allardyce's problem to try and work out how to get the best out of him, you know. I mean, like Lenz is another one where he's got all the ability in the world, but like he's he's a bit lazy, and uh, I think he's he's in for a shock. Yes, <laughs> under, the, under the new manager because I know that he kind of films every every you know like he, he, he targets everyone's running and the distance that they've done and and then if they haven't you know if they, if they haven't put a shift in he kind of pretty much pulls them up in front of the in, entire team and you, you don't you don't really get away with like being half arsed about it you can't just be a creative player without without working hard and it's true though because when you see the top teams these days like most of them. Like work hard as well as being as well as being creative, and and you see creative players at clubs like Sunderland and Newcastle who would probably be at bigger clubs if they actually could bother their arse, you know. So I think there's a, there's probably one or two players like Defoe and Lenz and, and a couple of others who are probably thinking shit. <laughs> um, I'm not going to get an easy shift, or I'm off at, at at Christmas time, you know. Whereas like other people, I mean, Larson was straight back in there. Um, I know we sort of said previously. I think it was you who sort of said he was quite average. I think I'm actually quite a, a fan of him because he's he's capable of taking a free kick. He's capable of passing the, passing the ball. He gets stuck in. He can play in three different positions. 
Um, I prefer him to Catamull in terms of all-rounding attitude. He's a bit slow, um, but I think I think that's more Sam Allardyce's player. You know, I think you'll have like three workhorses in midfield and let the sort of like creative one or two players to rely upon. But we were saying before we started when he was at Bolton, he had some he had some amazing creative players. You know, everyone sort of said they were like how you know like the, the system that they played, and you generally lost against against them due to a a free kick or a corner but those free kicks and corners were created by the likes of Akotcha and you know like some, some real quality players that, that that he had so I think Barini's going to be a big player under Allardyce because he's a workhorse and he's got a bit of talent and he's due a goal so let's hope he gets it on Sunday Right and so what everyone wants to know I want I want a score prediction for Sunday I want goal scorers and I also want what the result will mean for each club season from each of you uh, I, I forgot to mention before and this is a, an extra but obviously the goalkeeping situation is massive for both clubs Newcastle mm. have got a League 1 goalkeeper in goal and Pantillamon cost them in the game whether you think it's a foul or not when it may well have been a foul but it, it cost them in that game um, mm. I think Newcastle will win I'll go 3-2 because there's no way we're keeping a clean sheet and I think it will spark off a mini revival because we've got a very winnable Roll until December like this is the part of the season much like the last two seasons actually where Pardew won every single game in November for Newcastle the last two seasons which defines the season uh, so I think it will set up quite nicely and we'll get away from relegation trouble just when all that good uh, do, do, Does the Sunderland does Martin agree is it going to be different? Well hopefully um, <laughs> I'm going to go for 1-0 Sunderland Barini to kickstart Sunderland season otherwise I'm going to be very upset Barini scoring again? Why not? <clears throat> well, this is it. But I mean, I think I think he's a good player, and um, and, he, and he's 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 very much a, a big a big occasion player. Um, as he's, if you look at the goals he scored for Sunderland in the past, you know, um, he's, he's he scored like a, he seems to always do well against Newcastle. But he he got us he got us the goal in the in the cup final, and he seems to, seems to play better against the better teams and in, in, in the big games. So. Um, whereas if I, think, I think if he keeps Fletcher in, um, I think that's the way. I think that's the way he will play with with Fletcher. But I'm going one nil Barini to kickstart our season and, and praying for that for the next four nights. Michael, is there going to be another Barini last few minutes? Pops up with a goal, break Newcastle out. Five nil Newcastle. Mitrovic hat trick. I'll get the shout to come on. We've got your registration, so get on with the last ten minutes and I'll score two. Um, <laughs> not a cat all on goal <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll kick it off his horse and then tap it in um, no I think it'll be uh, I, I fancy a Newcastle win which is unusual for me because I normally go into these games fearing the worst um, and I've been justified the last five um, but I think on this occasion I th- just think I think, we'll get, I think we'll do it I think it, I agree with Alex we'll not keep a clean sheet um, we've got scruffier Sheets in a Blackpool landlady, but um, I think what we've what we've got is um, I think we'll I think it'll be two one. I think Mitrovic will be very very important to this game. Um, I think if he keeps his discipline, he can really really beat Sunderland up, um, and I mean that in a football sense. Um, though he could probably do it in another sense if he brings his mates over from Serbia, he could probably <laughs> start a new pogrom in Sunderland. Which is another thought. Um, so I think. Um, I think Newcastle will win. I, I think it'll be horrible. I, I, I think it'll be the usual Derby 
you know, nasty football, etc., etc. But I think we'll we'll do it. What you will win. Only Castle do you win then? Are they going to be heading back to to Tyneside tune or are WSI going to pour out of the stadium of Oh, they'll be in tears. They've, they've had the win for this half of the season <laughs> at least. They can beat somebody else after Christmas. I, 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 I fancy ourselves. We we had you a win as well. And Barini, like Martin says, he's certainly due a goal. And he's he's a man for the big occasion. You know, he takes penalties at Chelsea. He does all that sort of thing. And he looks as cool as anything and then smiles at you while he's waiting to do it. Um, so I fancy him to score. I think Fletcher might get us to score as well. Because he's like Martin says, he's almost certain to start under Allardyce. I would fancy a 2 1 because our goalkeeper's always got a goal in him at the minute. Will that kick start some of the season? Will that, will that, will that keep them, put them on a run to steal? Uh, I don't know about a run, but we could do with a run that where we, you know, maybe 10 games where we only lose a couple rather than all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it should. And like has been said earlier, we've got enough decent players in the squad to finish 17th and better. Well, if, if I'm going to predict as I will, then I'm going to sit firmly on the fence and say it's going to be a ones each draw. I think uh, I think Allardyce right. will be more than happy with yeah. that. And I think, I think to be honest, McLaren will be more than happy with that. And I think it will be a, a better point for Newcastle than it would be for Sunderland, not just because it's at, it's at Sunderland. I think the situation the two clubs are in, both of them, neither of them are in a good position, but... Sunderland desperately need that win. Newcastle at least have that monkey off their back. In theory, they've got a few all right results. So I think, I think McLaren would would take that if he offered it to him. I don't know if Allardyce necessarily would, although obviously it wouldn't mm-hmm. be a defeat. So I looked at Sunderland's first ten fixes and I thought they'd be all, he'd be all right. Mm-hmm. I thought that's a kind start of the season. I looked at our ten. It was only really Watford, which were lost, where you thought <laughs> we should be winning this. Everything else would have been a bonus, and it was really this part of the season. So I think this is a massive game for Sunderland because if they just say they're lost and Villa have got Swansea that's a massive game for them for mm. different reasons but Swansea are in terrible form as well Sunderland could find themselves six points from safety at the weekend going into it like one of you and I said before I think a tough run of games in December um, so it's a big it was, game it was similar with when De Canio was, was here the, before he got the sack where we actually had like the easiest start of the season on paper and then picked up like one point or something mm. it was just mm. Unbelievable, but like all, I think Newcastle are similar though. We always seem to beat the teams that you don't expect us to beat, and then like not turn up against the against the rubbish. So but let's hope that we turn up against the rubbish that we're playing on Sunday. Well, speaking of that, um, <laughs> I think um, I mean one of the players that you haven't mentioned who I think hurts us when when in derby matches is Adam Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean he's not playing is he on uh, on, on Sunday? We don't know whether he should uh, be on the bench. I mean he really he always hurts Newcastle. He's a I think he's a class turn. He's a he's a, a proper player him. Um, but he's in, he's obviously something he's something wrong with him because he's Man City got rid of him. I'm not talking about his court case, but um, as a player there seems to be something not right. He's just him. not consistent enough. Yeah, but it's a bit a, like when you had Raburn, you'd look at him and you see the goals that he scores. And you'd be like, "Wow, what a player!" But you don't watch him when you watch him week in, week out. He can go through ninety minutes with the, and be invisible, but then obviously he's capable of doing something that can that can win the game. I mean, he's a, I think he's a really class player. I wouldn't put him in the Robert class league, but um, but um, he's almost as lazy. But no, I mean, it's predicting it. God, it's like we don't know. But I mean, I suppose I predicted two one Newcastle, but. A big part of that's hope as well, you know. Well, that's what these games are all about, isn't it? It's hope and 
I know that a lot of fans often say that they don't enjoy the games. Actually, it's a, it's a thing of it's ninety minutes where you just put up with it. I mean, I did. I spoke to Mick Quinn today, and he was saying that he, when he played, and that we didn't necessarily enjoy it too much because the pressure he put on himself to win it for, for Newcastle was difficult. And that's that's a thing. It's, it's you've got two cities playing against you. Yeah, so it's immensely nervous for eighty nine and a half minutes, and then the last thirty seconds of however long they play. It's the most enjoyable feeling in the world. That's when you know the game's won. Exactly, yeah. It's all condensed into that. It's more enjoyable. The game itself's horrible, but it's enjoyment or obviously yeah. complete opposite. Otherwise, afterwards, well, obviously there'll be a complete dissection of this, no doubt, afterwards. No matter that there'll be one city. Well, it could be a draw, but in theory, there's probably one city in ecstasy and the other one very upset next week. And uh, thank you very much for listening. I thank all the uh, panel for being on. I thought it was some good stuff there and uh, hopefully it'll be a good game with, with no problems off the field on, uh, on on Sunday and then we'll dissect it no doubt afterwards on the True Face podcast sure so I hope you enjoyed that obviously uh, we'll have all the reaction to the derby next week on Monday's podcast at the usual time we'll have out by 10pm in the evening I hope you're reporting on any castle victory of course uh, one, thanks once again to the lads who came across from A Love Supreme, they're really really good crack um, and thanks to McMartin True Faith Editor and thanks most of all to Northern Threads uh, they hosted, they made it possible got us all together in South Shields kind of neutral territory if you please where there's a, a good split of Magnums and Mags and you know the lads from Northern Threads really appreciate it uh, go online, quality designer menswear um, North East made obviously so yeah, thanks Northern Threads and I hope you can join us um, in the future Follow us on Twitter at TFWeeklyPod and subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. We'll get two or three podcasts out every week on, on Newcastle and all things Premier League. So thanks once again for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.